Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless.
uh, I didn't intend to go here, but I'm going to read the scripture to, to you. It's one of my favoritists, if I could find it. to get rest last night sort of <laughs> I heard there were some rogue people up in the middle of the night <laughs> well as we were singing this uh, scripture came up in my heart in is uh, Ephesians 3:19, and uh, talked about talks about being filled with his love it says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves and that you want to experience him. And it says the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And that's Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified Classic Edition. It's one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been, but I've been flooded with God himself. And, uh, you know, you can't hardly hold him. And uh, so it's good to be in his presence and uh, be filled by him. So I just want to kind of wrap up a little bit of what we discussed last night or talked about last night. Um, this uh, whole session, these three sessions, the Lord gave me, uh, his presence shall be my dwelling place. And that's out of uh, Psalms 23. And um, so last night we discussed or talked about uh, in Ephesians 3.10, where it talks about, uh, Paul says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. And uh, Pastor Bruce talked about it a little bit this morning that we belong to him. And, um, you know, we were born for him. We were born to be a part of his kingdom. We were born to be, uh, you know, part of the covenant that we have. You know, I, I was excited about this when I learned this years and years ago as a young Christian that not only did redemption provide us um, healing, salvation, healing, deliverance, peace, uh, prosperity, all of that. But it also brought us back into right relationship with him. It restored fellowship with God. And so uh, we have an opportunity to spend as much time with him as we want to. We also discussed and talked about Kairos moments. And uh, that's a time when, um, when time and opportunity meets and it creates destiny for us. 
and uh, the Lord said that we were made for this moment. Hallelujah. And we came to a place of surrender with him to give him some things that we might have been holding on to that might have been in our heart that he didn't like being there. And uh, so we yielded those things up to him in a place of surrender. And that song I played last night, someone asked me about it. I just want to read you the words to it. And I know I played the song, but it, the words will, um, I think, resonate with you as well. And the title of the song is Come Tear Down the Walls. And uh, the, the uh, version I wanted to play to you, with you last night, I uh, played a different version. Um, they tagged on I Surrender All with it. But the words of that song is, Come and tear down the walls I've built up. Every, every wall I've built up. Every wall I've built up. Because you, uh, you deserve every piece of my heart. You know, uh, in your house you may do this. You have uh, living room friends. <laughs> right? You have kitchen friends. You have front porch friends. But then you have friends who know what your master bedroom, bathroom, closet looks like. <laughs> and, you know, and we do that with God, too. We let him see the best places in our heart. And what we do, you know, we give to people, we, all of these kinds of things. But then we hold something back, you know, okay, God, you, you can come here. But this room back here, you can't come there right now. <laughs> and it says to give him every piece of our heart. Amen. 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 And uh, uh, I was listening to Dr. Jer uh, David Jeremiah a few years ago. And he was saying that Caleb was his favorite character in the Bible. And Caleb's name actually means wholehearted. And there's 14 different scriptures. You know, we talk about how Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land and they came back with a good report. The other 10 came back with an evil report. And, uh, and they were not able to possess or to go in at that time because of the 10. But uh, uh, Caleb, and it says of Joshua, we see you have a little insight into Joshua because he was uh, Moses' right-hand guy. And so when the Moses would ever go to the temple, Joshua hung out in the presence of God in the glory, and that's how he had confidence to go in. That's how he had confidence, you know, to, uh, to go into um, the promised land. But the very little is said about Caleb. And that for years, that's what we said. But Dr. Jeremiah did this study on Caleb, and I think if I remember correctly, there's 14 different scriptures that talk about Caleb and how he is wholehearted for God. And then when he was, what, 80, he said, give me my mountain. You have to be wholehearted for God to be at 80 and gone, I want a mountain. Because most 80-year-olds are not looking for mountains to climb, right? <laughs> he wanted his mountain and said his heart was wholehearted towards God. Wholehearted towards God. Meaning that he didn't hold anything back in reserve from him. And that's the way we want to be with God. Amen? Amen? Wholehearted towards him. And it says, Lord, I'm trusting that you are a faithful father. And all of that you have, that it is good. You're a generous giver. Your love's like no other. Won't you come and break, uh, break through to me? Over and over and over again, I'm bringing my heart 
to you with open hands. Closer and closer, you're drawing me in as the depths of my heart lay before you again. Amen? Wholehearted before him. Uh, so today, uh, you know, uh, with last night, it brought us back to a place of center with him. There's a song came out a few years ago, Jesus is the center of it all, and he is the center of it all. And uh, we come into a rel relationship with him when we met him, but we have ongoing daily fellowship with him. And, uh, you know, you know, if you're living in the house with someone, uh, if uh, they're not talking to you and you're not talking to them, you're related, but you don't have fellowship with one another, right? Yes, and so we want to have fellowship with him because it is our spiritual birthright. Yes. Yes. Now that we've been born again, it is our spiritual birthright. You know, there was one who didn't care about birthright that sold his. And it says that uh, tears, and I think it's the message that says tears or no tears, it was too late that he sold his birthright away. Let us not just pass through this life and have this birthright of being able to go into the throne of God 365 days of the year, 24-7, and we didn't take advantage of that time to be with him. Amen? Amen. Pastor Bruce also mentioned this morning about laying aside things and, you know, the business. I have a tendency to be your Martha. <laughs> oh, me. And, uh, and so I have to work at being a Mary. I have to work at sitting at his feet and, uh, and being in his presence. Um, I have uh, very good parents. They're both in heaven now. Uh, but I had very good parents who had a very good work ethic, and they taught us how to work uh, very hard. We grew up on a farm. Uh, we uh, not only farmed our farm, but my uncle's farm, my great-grandmother's farm, my grandmother on the other side's farm. So we, we were brought up hard. And so we know how to work. And so that's carried over in life, and it's paid off for me. But it also uh, can go over into excess where, uh, you know, uh, sad to say I could go days without knowing where my Bible is, let alone, you know, picking it up and reading. And I carried it in and carried it out and carried it in and carried it out. <laughs> I had it with me. <laughs> Does that count, Lord? Uh, but, you know, didn't crack it to, you know, to spend time with him. And even just a few weeks ago, we got real busy at church. We had uh, several people uh, in the congregation that uh, they got sick with COVID. And so uh, for about a three-week stretch there, it was pretty intense. And, uh, and so uh, I was... <laughs> trying to get back on schedule with the Lord. And I told you last night that on Fridays, I spend extended time with him. And so I'm trying to, you know, chug along and, you know, read my scripture and everything. And just uh, as a moment of silence, he said to me, he said, I'm not so concerned about you getting your time in with scripture. I want you to get your time in with me. And even though it's the word and we need the word, but if we're just clicking a time clock, you know, and saying, I read my chapter today, or I read my, you know, whatever your devotional is. If we're just clocking time with him, and we're not spending time with him. Yes. Amen? Amen? So, um, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> In John 17, 3, uh, I meant to read this scripture to you last night, but, um, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic, and it says, and this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you. 
the only true and real God, and likewise to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah whom you have sent. So eternal life means to know the Father and to know Jesus. And so, you know, we may not know where uh, the reference is of the scripture, uh, but the scriptures speak of him. In John chapter 5, it talks about how the, uh, the religious leaders of the day, they were searching the scriptures. And he said, you search the scriptures daily, but they point to me, and I'm standing here in your presence, and you don't recognize me. They didn't recognize their time of visitation with him. They were all about scripture. And we need to be scriptorians, right? We need to know the, uh, the word of God, but he is the word of God, made flesh unto us. And so we need to know him, and then as he or the Holy Spirit pen the word, he can reveal the word to us, rather than it being a ritual or, you know, something that we're clocking time with again. So I believe this session that we're in today, uh, the title of it, if you're looking for titles, would be Be Still and Know. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit. In our society right now, it's uh, quietness is at a premium. <laughs> uh, there's loud voices out there, and the Word of God talks about how there are voices out there, and none of them without significance or without meaning. Uh, a lot of well-meaning people, a lot of, uh, you know, um, prophets that are uh, speaking right now. And uh, to get into a place of quietness is a, a, a learned art, actually. And so, uh, so to shut off the noise, one thing that I did in my life is as of May 31st last year, I turned off the news. So I don't watch national news. And I watch enough of the local news to know what to wear tomorrow. <laughs> and the weather. <laughs> and so I have the app on my phone. And every now and then, periodically, uh, with the weather app that I have as a part of a TV station there in town, um, you know, a local news story would come up, something that's happening right now, that kind of thing. But there was so much going on, um, accusations and, you know, all kinds of stuff that was going on last year when the pandemic hit in March. And then in May, uh, what happened was the racial tension started. And uh, all the noise that was coming from that, that added to the fray that was already happening. And then uh, about August, September, October, that time frame, all the political stuff started happening. And going, ah. <laughs> And I told you last night that I just shut things off and I asked the Lord, what is my part in all of this? Because, you know, um, people on one side, you need to do this. And people on one side, you need to do that. And so you feel like somebody torn in the middle, you know, Solomon having to cut you in half and let, let you go one way or the other. But it was hard to hear the voice of God in all that because there was so much noise that was twirling around and going on. And I, so I just had to shut it off. Uh, there was a, there's an old uh, song. I didn't think about it, uh, bringing it this morning. But it talks about being shut up with God, being shut up with him. And, uh, and so I, I caused myself to be shut up with the Lord. Um, and so something that he's had me doing uh, the last couple of years or so um, is practicing quietness and solitude and stillness with him. Let's look at Psalm 4610. 
<clears throat> you know this scripture is a very famous scripture and we're going to read it in context a little bit later but uh, it's uh, Psalm 4610 be still and know that I am God and he says I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth the Lord of the hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge Selah now listen to it out of the Amplified let be and be still and know recognize and understand that I am God I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth so he's not even just saying he's going to be exalted in our life he's going to be exalted in the nations and he's going to be exalted in the earth the earth is a big deal and so and he said and I will be so that means that's going to happen I will be exalted in the earth he says and so he is our strong tower he is our stronghold he's our high tower and the last word there Selah means pause and calmly think about that cause and, and think about the fact that he wants you to be still and know him and that word know there again is like the word Adam knew his wife there's an intimacy that goes on there when I was in Bible school uh, your pastors may uh, may have done this I don't know we had an instructor there uh, two instructors that were part of our favorite uh, Patsy Caminetti and Keith Moore and they would do uh, I think it was every Tuesday we would have what's called exaltation and they would come in and bring a special speaker in to speak or something like that and if they didn't have a special speaker one of the instructors would speak or what they would do is the student body would worship the Lord so one of those sessions Keith Moore came in and he said we're gonna practice the presence of God today we're gonna get quiet before him and he said we're gonna quiet our mind so he would get on the keyboard and he'd get everybody get, find your spot or what have you and he said we're just gonna get quiet before the Lord and so every so often he'd say just imagine the throne just to kind of get everybody centered and back and uh, just think about him keep your mind stayed on him and then he would encourage us and when we go home at night to practice that at home just being still and he said if you fall asleep you fall asleep but you find your mind wandering off somewhere he said bring it back bring it back to the throne you know in our imagination God didn't make our imagination just for wrong stuff mm -hmm. he made our imagination to help us to spend time with him yeah. and so even with myself whenever I'm spending time with him know why I turn this light on uh, I imagine the throne sometimes I imagine myself sitting and him sitting next to me I imagine um, uh, sitting in his lap I've done that before uh, you know and just uh, and keep in my mind quiet so uh, so he taught us that to keep our mind quiet the word still the definition of the word still is to mean and like we need to know what the definition of still means but it means not to move or to make a sound deep silence calmness and stillness uh, a few years back I may have to send her an offering I'm not sure but Dr. Varallo 
Mary Frances Barallo. Uh, she came to our church, and she talked about how she lives alone. Her husband's in heaven. And uh, she talked about how the Lord had been wanting to spend time with her, but he just wanted to be quiet, spend time in quietness with her. And so she has, uh, a, uh, in her home, uh, she encounters angels a lot in her home. And uh, people have come there to pray and different things like that, and they run into angels in her house. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I went to her house to pray uh, a couple years ago, and I went, am I going to meet an angel today? <laughs> uh, and so she sees them very often and knows that they're there. But uh, when she came to the church, she said the Lord uh, was dealing with her and said uh, he would, she would be in the kitchen doing something, and the Lord would go, Mary Fran, and she would hear him, Mary Fran, and she, and he'd say, come sit with me, and so she knew where he was, and she has upstairs that goes upstairs to uh, the second level, and she knew on the landing where he was, and she'd go sit with him. And she'd say, Lord, I'll be right back. And she heard the dishwasher, you know, <laughs> so she turned the dishwasher off. And so she went back and sat with him, and she's like, Lord, I'll be right back. <laughs> and she heard something else going off, you know, all this noise, you know. And uh, so finally he said to her, he said, Mary friend, just come sit with me. And so she said she sat there for a little while and quiet, and she's going, do you want something? And he said, just sit with me. And she said she just sat there with him, not saying a word, him not saying a word to her, and her not saying a word to him. They just sat there in quietness. And so uh, something about that, uh, her prayer life, you know, um, challenges me. And so I start adopting that in my own life. So what I do sometimes is uh, I live alone, and uh, when I get home at night, sometimes busy day or what have you, uh, the garage will go down, and uh, and so the lights for my car go off, and I'll just sit there in the garage. You might think you have a house you can go sit in, yeah. But in my house, your house ever talk to you? Yeah. The laundry talks to you. The dishwasher talks to you. The laundry that's on the bed that you washed, you know, three weeks ago talks to you, uh, you know, and so, <laughs> and, uh, and so for me, when I cross over that threshold into my house, things start talking to me and get my attention. And even when I've been in the house and try to be alone with the Lord, I have a closet that's big enough that sometimes I'll just go in there and I'm looking at the closet and I think, that needs to go here. And, you know, you want to start rearranging your closet. And then I learned to sit in the dark in my closet. But then my shoes are down here, you know, and so somehow I figure out how to. <clears throat> and so I've just found that sitting in my car sometimes is just, you know. And, uh, and so I'll sit there in my car and in the driver's seat, and I'll wait till the garage light goes off, the car lights go off. And I'll just sit there in quietness in my car, in my garage. <laughs> you too should have a garage. I think the garage is the best part about the house. You don't have to get out in the rain and everything, so in the elements. 
And so I would just sit there in quietness. And one night I sat there for three hours, just being quiet, just being with him. Well, one night I was sitting in the living room and uh, watching Holy Ghost TV and uh, HGTV. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there on the couch and then I hear, come sit with me. And I have a, uh, a landing, there's like three steps and then some steps that go up to uh, the second level. And he was right there on the landing. And so I just went and sat with him there on the landing. He didn't want anything, he just wanted me to come sit with him. Hallelujah. And I love, you know, those times with him. And so we see people in the scripture that did things like that. Uh, David practiced uh, solitude. Um, with the sheep as he was watching them at night he was out there by himself and that's where he sharpened his skills in God he didn't know that being in quietness and being in stillness that one day those skills that he was sharpening was going to be required on a battlefield so in those times of quietness is where sometimes where we get direction we get strategy, we get adjustments that we need to make with ourselves and that kind of thing, not knowing what's ahead, yeah. not knowing what's out and what he's preparing us for. You know, and I know in our society you think, well, I'm just wasting time just sitting. But from his perspective, it's not. Because we're sitting, not just sitting, we're sitting in his presence. Amen. And so being in his presence changes us. We're not the same when we go in and we come out. We're not the same person after being. You can't encounter God and be the same person. You just have to be like really dumb and stubborn. <laughs> not the change, you know. And we saw that with one individual, Judas. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Judas spent time with Jesus and ended up, you know, losing his life over and being a turncoat and all of that. But you got to be really set, you know, to encounter God and not be changed by him. And so times, spending time, you know, and there's a divine exchange that happens when you're in his presence. And we're going to look at scripture here in Psalm 4, uh, Isaiah 40 here in just a minute. But it uh, talks about, let's just go there. In Isaiah 40, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Uh, verse 28. Have you not known, Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint nor grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. What does that mean? If you're faint, you give him your faintness and he gives you his power. And if you're weary, you give him your weariness, he gives you his power. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. So if you don't have any strength in your body, you, he's, it says that he increases your strength. You don't have might, he increases that strength. What is that? That's a divine exchange. Amen. Yeah. Causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Even you shall faint and be weary. And selected men shall uh, feebly stumble and fall exhausted. That means they come to the end of themselves. But those that wait upon the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew. And that word renew there is exchange. They shall exchange their strength. 
I don't have any strength for my lack of strength, my lack of might. I give you that weakness, and you give me your strength. You give me your power. And they shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint and become tired. A divine exchange is going on there with him in his presence. Hallelujah. Um, uh, Brother Hagen uh, talked about times when he was pastoring. And uh, they would have Sunday night services. They would have regular Sunday morning services because most of the people in the town went to their churches. But on Sunday nights, they would have what they called um, uh, saturation or Holy Ghost meetings. And uh, it was just time that they didn't have a set time that they have to be done. They could just do whatever and spend time in the presence of God. And so he said that there were times that would happen that, uh, that there would just be a hush a holy hush that would come over the congregation. The entire congregation said babies wouldn't cry. Uh, people would not move. Uh, nobody felt the need to prophesy because a lot of times when still, stillness and quietness happen, all of a sudden somebody rises up, thus saith the Lord, my little children, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, he said there would just be times that they would just sit for hours in the presence of God. And he said that he would note that that glory, that presence that they encountered in those times would last about a year and a half in his ministry. He could ride out the glory in that, that time, a year and a half. Can you imagine that happening and you be able to sail over some things and you know whatever's coming out ahead, be able to overcome it for a year and a half in the glory where you just sat in quiet and received of him? Hallelujah. And he said, people would ask, well, what good did that do? Just sitting in quiet. And he said, you're sitting in a place where you're occupied with him. And in the place of being occupied with him, again, you encounter him and you change. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, when you're uh, in a dating relationship, you do a lot of things that you would probably not normally do. <laughs> Uh, you go to sports events, uh, you know, you play games and do things that you probably wouldn't go play putt-putt, you know, you don't care about putt-putt, but you just want to be with them, right? And uh, go to the movies, uh, you know, uh, the guys go shopping with you because they want to be with you, and then when they marry you, they don't go shopping with you no more, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> My pastor talks about that, that he just wanted to be with Pastor Rhonda, and somebody in Kroger one day said to him, honey, that's going to stop when she when y'all get married he, she told her honey that's going to stop when y'all get married and he was like oh no i can continue to do it and she said she was right it stopped <laughs> and so <laughs> so in those relationships you do things because the other person wants to do it maybe it's not your thing that you want to do but because you want to be with them you do that Amen. well we do the same thing with him when he wants to sit with us in quietness and even though we want to be activity we want to be doing things and shaking and baking and you know <laughs> candlestick making and whatever we're doing when he wants us to just sit quiet and be still and maybe that's not the activity that we want to do what was happening with Martha that day it all probably could have been circumvented in the fact that she asked Jesus the question 
do we need fried chicken today? Do we need to call KFC and have it catered? <laughs> Crack a barrel. You know? Uh, she just automatically, uh, I don't know if she lived in southern Jerusalem or not, but in the <laughs> south, <laughs> what we do is when folks are coming to your house, you start preparing and getting food, you know, ready and stuff. You don't ask, you just start preparing food and uh, unthawing things and whatever and making sweet tea and, you know, all of that is somebody's coming to your house. But it all, again, could have been circumvented if she had asked the question, Jesus, do we need food right now? And if you think about it, he had already multiplied food before. He could have done it again. You know? And so she's coming in, she's mad at Mary because Mary's at the feet of Jesus and he said that she chose the necessary thing, what was necessary. Her, her meat that day was to be with him at his feet, the most important thing. And being at his feet and getting the most important thing, and then once that's done, Jesus, do we need to order food? Or I've got some loaves and some fish in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But we always go to the activity and want to do something. And, uh, but do what, what she could have chose that day is to do what Mary did, which was probably uncomfortable for her because she was responsible for the home or what have you. It was more comfortable for her to be in the kitchen doing. That was her love language, to feed people. But sometimes we have to lay those things down to be at the feet of him. So in Psalm 65, 1, Psalm 65, 1, praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. And the Amplifier says this, to you belongs silence, the sub submissive wonder of reverence, which bursts forth into praise. So he's saying if you sit in this place of silence, it's showing reverence towards me, showing honor towards him. And then it breaks forth into praise. So silence, when we're silent, why do we sit in his presence? It's an act of reverence. And this today, today again, society knows very little about sitting in silence. You know, Jesus even wanted to be with us. He, it says uh, that in John that he went to prepare, he told them, in those discourses, John 14, 15, 16, 17. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. In my mansion, there's many mansions. Why? Because he want to be with us. He's preparing a place so that we can be with him when we get there. Isn't that something? That he thought it was important enough for him to go away so he can be with us. If you uh, was ever granted an opportunity to go before the queen at Buckingham Palace. Part of the protocol of you going into to see her is that you don't talk first yeah. <clears throat> until she talks to you. You're in a place of silence until you're spoken to. It's protocol. And so uh, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, with God, we want to go, well, Lord, you know, I got, this, I, I got this going on in my life and my grandkids got this going on and you, that heifer at work. You, did you see what she did to me the other day? <laughs> You're just ticking off all these things. And he's sitting there 
Uh, I remember Dr. Lester Summerall was at a luncheon uh, years ago. There was a young man that was given the opportunity to sit at the table with these generals. And uh, so he's sitting there, and he's younger in the ministry than Dr. Summerall. And um, so he's telling him all the things that he's been doing. You know, this is what's happened. This is how God's been using me and all of this. And so he said, uh, he noticed that Dr. Summerall wasn't saying anything. And he said, so what do you think about all that? He said, I think you talk too much. <laughs> now, if you know anything about Dr. Summerall, that was probably calm <laughs> the way he said it that way. <laughs> but he said, I think you talk too much. He said, when you're sitting at the table with people who have more experience than you, you play up, meaning that you learn from them. You know, you ever notice when you're at a table with children, they are taking all the attention, they're talking and all of this kind of stuff, and you have to quiet them down. Honey, be quiet right now. You know, and if you, especially if you have guests, and you're trying to entertain your guests and that kind of thing, and they're constantly, you quiet them down and say, honey, just be quiet right now. And they can learn and absorb things just by listening, just by sitting. You know, even if you bring them to church and they fall asleep under the pew or under the chairs or whatever, that word is still going on on the inside of them. They can still hear it. And so uh, uh, being in that place of quietness. And so uh, in Isaiah 40, I just read all of that to you. But in Isaiah 41.1, and a lot of times that's what we do. We'll read Isaiah 40. And, uh, and go 28 through 31, and we'll go, you shall run and not be weary, you shall walk and not faint. But Isaiah 41, 1 says, listen in silence before me. Listen in silence before me. Then he goes on to say this, O islands and regions, uh, region borders, bordering us on the sea, and let the people gather and renew their strength, For the argument, let them offer their strongest arguments. Let them come near. Let them speak. Let us come near together for judgment and decide the point at at issue between us concerning the enemy advancing in the east. So what is he saying? In the midst of your enemy, listen and be quiet before me. So I named off three things earlier. Pandemic racial injustice, political upheaval in our nation, to just to name a few. And so I know of someone who uh, at one time, y'all remember Jehoshaphat, came up against three formidable armies and what God told them to do. They, ca- they gathered themselves together to pray to get the strategy of what God wanted them to do, and he told them to send the praises out ahead. Yeah. What kind of strategy is that? I don't know, but we do what he says to do, and they had victory in them. We're going to look at that a little bit later. But he, so concerning your enemies advancing against you, he says, be quiet. Now, if any three enemies were coming against me, I would probably go, okay, do I have a gun? Do I have a knife? Do I have, what kind of, you know, what kind of weapons do I need to get? All that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you're planning, you're getting stuff together. But he, to him... And even last year when all of this was going on, people were saying, it's not necessary to pray. It's not necessary to spend time with God. They said prayer is the easy way out. It's the cheap way out because you're not doing anything. 
You need to do something. But I <laughs> told people, you don't want to do anything without praying first. Because if you act first out of the flesh, then you got a mess to clean up. But if you pray first and get the strategy from God of what you're supposed to do, not only is it going to bless you, but it's going to bless those that you influence and affect. It's going to advance and bring their life up. We're all about going higher, not having God to go back and clean up stuff that we did because we acted out of the flesh. And a lot of people, church people, spirit-filled church people are acting out of the flesh rather than seeking God and being in his presence. Lord, what do you want me to do in this time? What's my part to do? And listen and be quiet. Hallelujah. So looking at Psalm 46, 1 again, I'm going to start with verse 1. I read verse 10 earlier, but listen to this in context. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Anybody experience fear? See people operating in fear in the last 18 months? Even though the earth be removed. Now he's saying, therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. I think we're still on the planet right now, right? But he's saying, even if the earth be removed, don't fear. He's saying, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though it, its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and are swelling, there is a river whose streams shall be made glad in the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall, be, shall, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations rage. Are the nations raging right now? The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. What is he, as he utters his voice, as he's uttered his voice audibly, things melt. But when he gives strategy to you, things melt. Things that were big and huge and humongous, like three enemy armies coming against you. When he gives you a strategy, what happened with that army? Things melted before them. He said, you don't even have to fight in this battle. And, and how do you not fight? Because you follow his strategy Amen. that you got in prayer, yes. you got in the presence of God. That's right. Amen. 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 That's the only thing that's win that wins. When we go after the flesh, we start things up in the flesh, and then he has to come up and clean up behind us. And it says, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted, the Lord of hosts is with us. Say, the Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. So what they're coming at you with, he breaks it. That's what this scripture is saying. He makes, his, he makes war cease to end on the earth. He breaks the bow. He breaks the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. So the, the chariot that's racing towards you, he burns it in the fire. Then he says, all that noise, all that stuff going on, be still. 
God doesn't, that doesn't seem like a very good strategy. <laughs> come on. Things coming at you, yeah. all of these things coming at you, and you say, be still, be still and know that I am God. Amen. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And how's that going to happen? By being in his presence. Now, um, trying to think how to do this. I'll talk to you about this. You know, I talked to you about uh, I've been practicing silence and a little bit last night I told you a little bit of my personality that um, in the mornings I walk uh, in the sanctuary of our church and while I'm doing that I'm praying in other tongues so uh, prior to this there's Monday particular Monday uh, on a Friday I was home and I didn't have to go out for anything I was just going to be home all day so I said Lord let's just let's just hang out today and uh, see what happens and so Laundry had been done the day before. A lady that helps me with my house, she had come the day before. They cut the grass outside. You know, so it, I didn't really have a whole lot to do. So what I started doing was I started reading. Then I started worshiping the Lord. And I put on some videos uh, that I was watching. And um, I started watching Catherine Kuhlman videos. And, uh, whew. <laughs> you just sum her up in whoo. And uh, so in watching her videos, I see something on her that I know I don't have. Her hunger and thirst for God was something that came off those videos to me. Miracles were happening. You know, you see all that. And of course, that's an outflow of her ministry. But I noticed her fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit. And I knew that I didn't have that degree of hunger and thirst in my own life like that. So I'm watching these videos and I'm going, God, I, I know I don't have that. I love you and I hunger for you, and I could, but I don't have that. And I want that. Just like I did with when I saw Dr. Mary Francis. There was something on here went, I want that. Whatever that is, I want that. And there have been people in my life where I've seen where they spent time in the presence of God. And it says that, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. And, uh, and what it, I think it's in Acts, it says that they took note of the apostles, that they had been with Jesus. Not that they did the mighty miracles and stuff like that. that. Yeah, that was an outflow of that. But it says they took notice of them that they had been with him. And what I saw on those two ladies in particular, and both of them to me uh, operate uh, similarly. And I said that to Dr. Mary Francis one time, and she really didn't appreciate it. So uh, <clears throat> she said, I am not like that. So I went, um, and uh, similar but different, similar but different. So, uh, so I was watching those videos and, um, um, you know, in listening to uh, music and stuff, I saw on her a reckless abandon in God that I didn't have. 
a wholeheartedness about God that I didn't have. And I wanted that. And so one, I played a song for you last night that, um, but before communion, and that was one of the songs that that Friday, when I noticed that, it just, watching those videos and stuff, it just transitioned into this place of uh, me and him. And so that song that I sang, what played last night, I began singing that song all over and over again. And I read you the words today. Come, uh, come take the things out of my heart. I want to give you my heart. I wanted you to come in to my heart. Take out those things that are not good. I want you to come, you know. And so I started singing that over and over and over again. And then another song that I sang is this. And I'm going to play a little bit of it. I may not play the whole thing. But I just want you to hear the heart of the song. And, uh, and then we'll go forward.
goes back and starts singing that over again. So I don't know how many times I played that song that day, but it was one or two o'clock in the morning before he and I got done. And that was my prayer to him. Nothing else but you. Nothing else but you. I was sorry when I came with my own agenda, when I uh, didn't think that you were enough, all of those things. And so went in on with the weekend on Sunday. I was standing in Pastor Rhonda's office, and she and I were talking, and I was telling her what happened on Friday, that I was watching Catherine Kuhlman videos on Friday. And she said, I'm studying Catherine Kuhlman right now. And she said, I have a group of ladies that I'm mentoring. And she said, and I'm teaching them about Catherine Kuhlman. And we got to talking about it and stuff. So later that night, we had a saturation meeting at church. And Pastor had Pastor Rhonda come up and lay hands on the ladies in the congregation that wanted hands laid on them. And I assisted her and helped her. And then, you know, towards the end of that time, uh, I went up and got hands laid on them. And I felt the presence of God come on me, and, you know, I'm, I'm a good spiritual drunk, so uh, I can hold my Holy Ghost, you know. And, uh, and so, and I felt him, my body was kind of tingly, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, didn't really think a whole lot about it, just thanked the Lord for what he did. And went home that night, and I laid down, and I could tell he was on me, but I didn't yield to it, you know. And I think, I got to go to sleep so I can get up and walk in the morning, you know, da da so I get up Monday morning, go into the office, and I get there a little bit before 7 so I can start work, walking at 7 o'clock. And when I got in the sanctuary, I could sense he and I are the, I'm the only physical person on the property, but I know I'm not the only one there. He's waiting on me. So there's a nursing mother's room right on the back of the sanctuary. And it used to be a prayer room that we turned into a nursing mother's room, and so every time I'd walk by there, my power walking. But I say, and go. And I could sense him in that room wanting me to come. And so I went, Lord, you know I got to get my 30 minute walk in because I got my activity thing on my watch and I got to get my walk in. And I got to get my 30 minutes of praying in other tongues in. So I walk and then I walk back by. All right. <laughs> so I went into the room. And so I, you know, was still walking, trying to get my thing on, you know. And so I was standing, walking back and forth in the room. And finally I just said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, yield. Just yield. And so I went and uh, I sat down. There's some rocking chairs in there. So I went in there and sat down in the rocking chair. And uh, after a little while, I know, mm, that ain't it. <laughs> and I said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, yield, just yield. And so I got down on the floor on my knees. And I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, yield. So I sat down on the floor because I was lowered to meet on my knees and I said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, just yield. And so out of my heart, 
I started telling him. I know I don't love you enough. I know I don't hunger for you enough. I watched that lady on that TV. And my heart is not like that for you. And I want that. And I need you to help me with that. I know I don't thirst for you and the things of the Spirit like she does. I want that, and I want you to help me. And he said, Belinda, yield. So I laid down on the floor in that room, prostate before him, just started crying and weeping my heart out. When I hit that floor, I felt like I was suspended in space. And him, the world, the universe just swirling around me. And I thought, <laughs> I was halfway <laughs> on the earth and I knew I was somewhere else. <laughs> and I went, oh, Jesus, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and uh, I remember he and Brother Hagen say that whenever he saw Jesus, you know, he saw pools of love in his eyes. And there was that there. But I encountered the almightiness of God. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And those were words that I heard swirling around me the whole time. And so, <clears throat> so you know, I told you that I went into the room about 7.20. And uh, hit the floor and at that time. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought, I got to get out of this because my body is shaking on the floor. I'm crying profusely, so much so that a few days later, uh, my rib cage was sore because my body was just shaking under the power of God. So somewhere in the back of my head, I'm thinking, if I could get to Pastor Rhonda, I can get out of this. I couldn't get out of it. His presence was so heavy on me, I could not get out of this, this powerful place. At one, on one hand, I knew I was safe, but on the other hand, it scared the pudding out of me, I have to tell you. And, uh, and so I reached over and got my phone on the floor, and I tried to type a text to her. And she couldn't read it because it was in tongues. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so she's like, what is she trying to say? So she called me, and I couldn't talk. I couldn't tell her. And uh, so <laughs> she said, is everything okay? <laughs> Belinda, where are you? <laughs> Mark! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, so she thought, maybe I can get my husband in here and get the interpretation of what's happening, what's going on. And so she said, Belinda... I have Pastor here on the phone. We're on the speaker. Can you tell him what's happening? And uh, so through tears and everything that was going on, I was going, I'm in the prayer room, and the Lord told me to just yield. <laughs> and I, I, I did. <laughs> I, I need help. And she said, okay, we'll, we'll be there in a minute. And the pastor said, keep yielding. <laughs> like, well, 
that's very nice. Be like Elijah or Enoch and be taken out of here. You know, just keep yielding. You know. And uh, so <clears throat> they came to the church, and the, I kept yielding, and it was getting more and more intense. So he came in, they both came in, and Pastor Rhonda's trying to get me to talk, and I couldn't talk, and, and so, uh, so they just start praying over me, and uh, he went to the back, because uh, we had prayer at, at noon, and it was getting close to noon, and, and uh, he went to get somebody to take prayer for me, and they, he said, they said, well, where's Pastor B? And he said, she's birthing something <laughs> in the prayer room. And uh, he said, the Lord told him, he said, revival is messy. And this is what it looks like. And if you want revival, this is what's going to happen. And I remember I told you last night, when revival comes, they said, God came. And God came in that room. So she stayed in there with me, and she's praying. And unbeknownst to me, she's typing to him. She said, I don't think that she can take much more of this. We've got to get her out of this somehow. So he's walking back up front, and he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, I know you're doing something in her. He said, is it okay to release her? And the Lord said, yes. So he walked in the room, and they began to pray. And the intensity of it, after a few minutes, started waning. And, you know, and I'm literally on the floor shaking like this. And, it, you know, after a while, I don't know how long, I was able to stop and be still. And um, uh, I, I couldn't even talk at that, at that moment in that time. And so uh, pastor instructed me to write everything down and, uh, you know, this experience that you're having with the Lord. And you guys, um, I've tried to, in my head, to try to figure out what all that was about. And I guess in our humanness, we tried to do that, make sense of it all. And uh, I was talking to Pastor Ron about it, and I said, I don't know all of what was happening, what's going on there. And she said, you don't always need to know. And she said, you'll be somewhere, ministering somewhere, or uh, at some point in time, it'll just come up in your heart, and you knew, you'll know that in that moment, God put that in you. And that seemed to satisfy my curiosity about that. And so uh, later in another saturation, uh, pastor was ministering, and he um, ministered to me, and he said, uh, I know you yielded, he said, but there's still more to be had. And just to be honest with you, it was so intense that I've been reluctant to go back to that place again. Because I told him, I said, so if I go back, are you going to be somewhere I can get you? And you can get me to come back? <laughs> you know, and so, I, and I've gotten up to the edge of it. And, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to do that today. You're talking about a holy moment. Now, I was reluctant to tell you about this experience because I don't want to teach you experiences because if you go searching for experiences you can get wrong experiences yeah. but if you stick with the Holy Ghost you're going to have experiences in God Amen. and if you keep yielding to him and yielding to his presence you're going to have encounters with him y'all remember when uh, Jacob had the encounter with the angel it changed him didn't it uh, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration praying on the mountain it changed him, didn't it? Yes. So much so he glowed. Yes. 
and Peter wanted to stay. Let's just stay up there. <laughs> and he wants to be with us that way. He wants us to encounter him. Maybe not anything as dramatic as this. I don't know. Maybe even more dramatic than that. I don't know. But if we don't give him the time, I almost didn't give him that time that day because I had my activity. I had my schedule. I had my regimen of what I do, my Martha way of doing things. But I had to make the decision to choose the good part. And so I know we're going a little bit over here, but I want to give you about a few minutes to spend quiet in quietness and in solitude with him. You know, Moses on the backside of a mountain in exile was tending sheep. And he looked up. There's a bush burning up there, but it's not being consumed. And in Exodus, it said, when Moses turned aside to see, he could have just stayed down at the bottom and went, you know, that's curious. There's a bush up there burning, and he, but it's not being consumed. He just could have been curious and stayed down there. But it said when he turned aside to see what this great sight was, him turning aside to see led, gave him movement towards God. He moved towards whatever that was, and that was God. And when he approached, the Lord said, take your shoes off, because this is holy ground. And in that place of him being alone with God, what did he get? He got an assignment from God to go let my people go. And he gave him every excuse he could. He went, I can't talk. Okay, take Aaron with you. And so in those places of solitude, quietness, and stillness with him, nothing might be said, but something could be said. Direction can come in that place of quietness with him. So, uh, for a few minutes here, uh, you find a position. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. If you want to come down to the altar or uh, you want to find a place, you know, uh, I would suggest staying in this room. But we're just going to take a few minutes and be quiet before him. And um, if you haven't picked this up by now, I'm motivated by music. So, uh, so as you're getting into your place, I'm going to play this song, and then we're just going to spend just a few minutes here in quietness with him and let him love on you and you love on him.
things that he gave me. This is the place where you get direction, correction, assignments, plans, and strategies. This is the place where we get him. Then he said this, there are places in me that you will never be able to get to if you don't get into a place of quietness and stillness and solitude. What does being still and knowing that he is God mean? It keeps us reminded of who God is. He is our Father. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our peace. He said here, he even said, I don't give you, just give you peace. I am your peace. So in this place of stillness and quietness and in solitude, get well practiced 